0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this message from Soli church. Our prayer is that this message would be a blessing and resource for you, but no sermon or podcast can ever take the place of being connected to a local church. If you're in or around the Ventura County area, we would love for you to join us. You can find when and where we are meeting by visiting solely S O L I church.com rest in Jesus Christian.
1: Bible is open right there to 1st Corinthians chapter 11. And every once in a while that's solely we have what we call a memorial sermon. It's a sermon that's intended to provide the reason for why we do the things we do here at Soli, and obviously one of the things that we do here at Soli is we practice the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis, and we do it in a certain kind of way that might be very different from many people, and so today I hope to provide uh, some biblical rationale for why it is when we approach the table in the way that we do, and so let's go ahead and pray. I pray that as the Word of God has been read and now it is to be preached that He would open it up for us. That you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear even more of what you're doing as we gather together as your people. As you call us together out from the world to meet in your presence as your people. And as you give yourself to us through the means of grace. Through the singing, the praying, the reading, the preaching, the table, the fellowship, and the water of baptism. That you give us open hands to receive the gifts that you give to us, the gifts of God for the people of God. And I pray today we might receive those gifts in an even deeper way because of the unfolding of your word. And we might treasure these gifts ever more because of the gift that they give to us, which is your Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray all of this in His very name. Amen. So we want to look today in God's Word at an area of the Lord's Supper where there is confusion, where there is misunderstanding that oftentimes leads the church away from the table rather than to the table of grace. We want to kind of clear the way back to the Lord's table, and if you begin to look the first thing that Paul does, and I actually have, again, broken my own mold, I actually have three points. The first thing that Paul does when he comes to address the Lord's Supper with the Corinthians is he rebukes their abuses. The Corinthians were a church that were, they were greatly abusing many things, spiritual gifts, weaker brothers, and a whole host of things that were wrong with this church. But in addition to that, they were abusing their practice of the Lord's suffering. In verse 17, Paul says, in if all these instructions I do not commit you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. How is that for a condemnation on your church? When you get together, you should be getting together for the better of one another. But you're coming together, and it's actually for the worse. When you guys come together, it's not the way that it should be. The reason for that is when you come together, it ought to be for the purpose of being remembered together. To put on display the unity of the body of Christ. But that's not what's happening. Verse 18 says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. So they're supposed to come together, and as they come together at one table, and as they come together as one body, it is supposed to be to reunify the unity of the body of Christ. But rather, the table is actually a place where their divisions and the fracturing, the fracturing and the shattering of the body is on display. This borderlines on the demonic. First, you have to remember, these people are living in an honor-shaped culture. They're being saved out of an honor-shaped culture where the way of life was to honor the wealthy and honor the patron and to despise and diminish the poor and the weak and the marginalized of society. And this had crept into their practice of the Lord's Supper so, so that Paul's actually satirical end of the verse, end of verse 19 says, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine may be recognized. This is the way you guys roll in life. Right? You, have to, you have to break up the little groups. You have to break up the little, we're on the in group and we're on, we're on the out group and you're not part of our group. We have to do that so that you guys know who the real people are. And so he's not poking satirical so fun at them but he's not happy with what's going on at all. As a matter of fact, he knows so so far to say that their practice of the Lord's Supper is not even recognizable as the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 20. When you come together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. It's not the Lord's Supper you eat. It's supposed to be. But that's not what's happening here. It's not even recognized. The reason for that is verse 21 For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, and another goes drunk. Here, you're turning this into a drunk fest. You're turning this into a feast, uh, a gluttony. You're turning this into where some are eating and and, and others are getting drunk and then there's nothing left for the broken, the needy, and the poor. On a side note, if they're gathering to get drunk, that probably answers the wine question at the Lord's table. I'm not exactly sure you can get sauce on lots of welches, so it clearly answers that there was wine at the Lord's table table. And of course Paul doesn't say they were to answer this and move the welches. He just says the answer to this is to do the table right with the wine and the bread which you've been given. And so notice the practice. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What do you not have houses to eat and drink in you now? Watch this verse 24, do you despise the church of God? Their coming together was actually a despising of the new humanity that was being created in Christ Jesus, and they were actually shaming certain people at the table. Look at what he says. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you? No, because you humiliate those who have nothing. The table is supposed to be a place where, no matter what your ethnicity is, what your social class is, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, male or female, child or whatever it is, the table is supposed to be a place for all the divisions, all the shadow humanity, all the vengeance that takes place out there, all the eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and you're not a part of all our people, all of that that takes place out there is supposed to be undone. in Undone. And the place where that undoing is shown the greatest is at the Lord's table. And of course, in modern culture, they want Paul to look at them and go, and commend them. Notice that in verse 17, Paul says, I won't commend you. And then he says in verse 22, no, I won't commend you. You want my commendation, but I can't commend your practice of the table. All I can do is condemn it because of the abuse that's taking place at this table, the selfishness that's taking place at this table. There is no way that I will commend you for the way in which you are abusing me. The practice of the table. And so Paul moves from his rebu- rebuke of the abuse of the table and he moves in and he resets the liturgy real quick. And we're not going to look in detail at this because this is something we've already talked about before in sermons earlier, but I just want to go over. He just resets the liturgy to reemphasize the centrality of what it is that's going on here. the first, he resets the liturgy of the loaf. Verses 23 and 24, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed He took bread, and He had given thanks, He broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. So that's the first part of the liturgy. That's why we do the bread separately from the cup. Then He resets the liturgy of the cup. And He says, um, uh, in the same way, He took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of until he resets the liturgy of the cup, And then he says, in doing this, in performing this drama, in performing this drama of the bread, and in performing this drama of the cup, you are dramatizing in a way that proclaims the Lord's death until He comes. And so this meal actually preaches just like the sermon itself preaches. So, this is what Paul does. But I want you to notice what Paul does not do. As these Corinthians are greatly abusing the Lord's table, and they are abusing the people at the Lord's table, and they have misunderstood what the table is all about, and they are using them for their own cultural ends and purposes, you might think that Paul would say, okay, because you abused the table, I'm going to take the table away from you. Like we do as marriage, right? Give me the juice. Give me the juice, right? You're not driving the car anymore. Right? We, we take things away. That's not what Paul does. Rather than Paul taking the table away from them or saying, are oh, you guys not do it less? We're going to cancel the table for a while until you can get it right. Or we're going to do it less, or we're going to do it quarterly, or you should actually just do it occasionally because you guys are a mess. He doesn't do it. His pastoral purpose is not having celebrate the Lord's Supper less to celebrate the Lord's Supper rightly, This pastoral purpose is to reform the abuse so that when they come together, they will come together and faithfully enact and participate in the Lord's table. As a matter of fact, five times in verses 17 to 34, he uses the phrase, come together. When you come together, when you come together, when you come together. In other words, the purpose of the gathering of coming together always includes this table, and it needs to include this table rightly. In other words, we need to reverse verse 20. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. We need to reverse that. so When you come together, it is the Lord's Supper that you will be eating. So Paul, he revicts the abuse, he resets the liturgy, and then that leads us into the purpose of the sermon today, where we want to spend more of our time. Paul then reorders the practice of the suffering. So we're going to look in detail at these verses. I just lost the other ones. The hint of the entire thing where the misunderstanding oftentimes takes place, where the confusion often takes place, is in verse 29. Verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment. On himself. So the entire passage, Paul's rebuking the abuses, Paul's resetting of the liturgy, and now Paul's reordering of the practice—it all hinges on what it means for the one coming to the table to discern the body, to discern the body. So let me lay this out here at the beginning, okay? and then you will we'll let this unfold. Whatever the answer to the problem is at Corinth, it is not and has never been the worthiness of you. It is not your worthiness. And so we have to get over that right now. This passage is not about the worthiness of the eater. Let me just be as honest as I possibly can be. You are not worthy to eat this table, you never have been worthy to eat this table, and you never will be worthy to eat this table. The only worthy eaters of this table are those who are made worthy by Jesus Christ to come to this table is found in the same place that everything else in your life is found, and that is in Christ alone. Christ, plus or minus, nothing makes all of us worthy leaders. Your performance during the week, or lack of performance during the week, the things you did that you should not have done, the things you did not do that you should have done, none of that has anything to do with qualifying. from getting into heaven. And that is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So Paul is dealing with something else here and we need to find out what it is. Because whatever it is that Paul is talking about is important. Okay? Because we have to take the judgment seriously. Look at what he says. In verse 29, he says this. For anyone who eats and drinks without the certain body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So there is a legitimate judgment A true judgment that takes place at the table. The first thing Paul says about that judgment is that it can be physical. Verse 30. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. The way in which the Corinthians are practicing the table has led to some physical infirmities in their congregation. The way in which they've been practicing the table has led God to kind of lead some of them and say, you know what, I've got to bring you home early because you're causing nothing but trouble me down there. It's just the way that some people have actually died in, the, in terms of the abuse of the Lord's table. So should we take the judgment seriously? Of course We should take the judgment seriously because God takes the table seriously. God takes the judgment seriously. So not only is the judgment oftentimes physical, secondly, it's inevitable. It's going to happen in verse 31. But if we discern ourselves truly, we would not be judged. It's inevitable that this table is a table of judgment. There's nothing that can be escaped without concerning that. 32, the judgment though, is, it's intended to be restorative, it's, it's physical oftentimes. it's inevitable, but God's doing it to restore His people. Look at verse 32, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned alone with the world. So, whatever discipline takes place in the context of the table from the Lord is remedial, it's restorative, it's intended to get us back on the right track as a church. And, oh, by the way, the discipline is not only physical, inevitable we'll restored, that there's a way actually to avoid it. you don't have to be disciplined by the lord if we could just come to the table in the manner which the lord wants us to look at verse 34. verse 34 says if is hungry let him eat at home so that when you come together it will not be for judgment there's a way to come together celebrate the table and it not be for the judgment that the Corinthians are present receiving for their practice of the lord's table so listen just because this table is not about the worthiness of the eater, does not mean that this table does not include God's restorative judgment and discipline on those who do not eat rightly. Okay? So we need to take this table seriously. Some of you are like, wait a minute, Andrew, this for pastors who really cared about us, and you knew that God can actually come in and start sweeping people's legs. Um, in, in physical infirmities and judgment on the table, um, can we move to quarterly? Can we move to annually? On the Sunday that I'm sick? Right? I mean, because if this is the way that God works. You know, and the answer to that is that's not what Paul does. Paul doesn't say, let's just do that and let's just move into other things like that. Right? Preaching is also judgment. The preaching of the gospel saves sinners and judges unbelievers. So we not preaching. No. No, what you do is you preach the gospel, let God be God, and you practice the table rightly, and you let God do the gifts of God for the people of God. So the question is this, what does it mean to discern the body? Everything hangs on what it means to discern the body, which means what is the body that needs to be discerned? Context, context, context. The danger here is to read into this passage apart from context. And so this is the vital thing. What is the body that is to be discerned so that you can eat? Right? And the answer to that in the context is the body that is to be discerned at the Lord's table is the church. The body of Christ. The bride of Christ. Let's just remind ourselves of the context. Go right back to chapter 10 for a moment. We had this sermon early on in the life of Sully. Go back to chapter 10 with me and let's start where Paul starts talking about the table in chapter 10 and we'll see how he connects the table with the body of Christ that is the church, okay? First Corinthians 10, verse 17. Look at what it says. 10, 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And so when Paul starts talking about the body, He's not talking about the Christmas body of Jesus that lived, grew up, went to death on Good Friday, into the, into the grave on Saturday, came out of the grave on Resurrection, Easter Sunday, and then ascended on high. Forty days later, he received death and hand of the Father. He's not talking about the in-flesh, incarnate body of Jesus. Paul is talking about the body in this context. He's talking about the body that is the church, and that's where he starts. Move over to chapter 11, verse 18. Paul says this, when you come together as a church, the problem is a church problem. The problem is recognizing who is the church, the body of Christ. Look at verse 22. Do you not have houses to eat and drink, it, or do you despise the church of God? The problem is not that they despise the body of the Ascended Christ. The problem is that they despise the body that is the Church of God. That's the pastoral occasion. That's the Corinthian problem. The way they are treating one another in the very Church. Then there's 1124. Jesus takes the bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body. Is Jesus talking there about his flesh, or is Jesus talking there about his bride when he holds up the loaf? Is he talking about the flesh that he has right there in the upper room with the disciples, or is he talking about those disciples themselves in the upper room who are his body? Yes. Right? When God threw Adam into the death sleep, ripped the side open, yanked the rib out, and fashioned it in glory. The woman. What did Adam say? This is now what? My flesh. Adam's. Who are you, Adam? I am these. This is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. We, the says, are me. And me is we. Okay? Because this is the way to the right? And then Paul goes on later in Ephesians 5 to say, what? The mystery is great, but I'm talking about what? Christ in the church. Right? And what happened? Eve came out of the side of Adam, so the church comes out of the side of Jesus. When Jesus is the stabbed on the cross, right? What flows out of his rib? Water, which we just experienced. Blood, which we're about to experience. The church comes out of the side of Christ, like Eve comes out of the side of the first Adam. And what does Jesus say about the church? She is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. I have you brought. You see, and so when we gather together around the bread, it's mystery. Is it the flesh of Christ? Yes, we distinguish them, but we don't separate them, you see. It's beautiful. It's powerful. What's going on here with the table. And then at 11:31, look at it, and the ESV is great because it gives you the footnote for the Greek. It says, but if we discern ourselves, if we discern ourselves, there's a little five there in the ESV Bible, and if you look at it, it's discern. It's the word for discern, not judge. But if we discern ourselves, We would not be judged. So what I submit to you is from 10, chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, 11, 18, 11, 22, 11, 24, and 11, 31. The body of Christ that is to be discerned at the table is the church of Jesus Christ that you are coming to the table with. In other words, to discern the Lord's body is to discern the church right in front of you. It means recognizing and looking for the Lord's body up and down the aisles of this church in these chairs. This is where the body of Christ is in all of these people. The undiscerned Christ is the Christ we don't discern in one another. The discerned body of Christ is the body of Christ surrounding you right now. The sacrilege uh, at the table is not in the treatment of the audience, It's in the treatment of the people who are. To the elders. You discern the body in this body. And the Corinthians have eaten without concern for the body. They have eaten without concern for the poor, the marginalized, Different among them, and they have disgraced the table because they are disgracing the body of Jesus Christ. They are disgracing the church and they are disgracing the meal that is supposed to take God's people before the watching world as we come to one people. We are created as one body before the world. As we come to the table, we put on display what Jesus Christ is doing to make a new humanity here. And so if you do not discern the body in one another as you come to the table, disgrace one another, you disgrace the body between for you at the table, which is the body of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to discern the body? It means you discern the body in one another. Are you doing that? When you come to the table, are you discerning the body in one another? We recognize you that you are a, why do you think we come to people on Sundays? Like a bride coming down the aisle on her wedding day. You think that that's not, that doesn't mean of course the image means something. It is the bride coming to supreme room all the Lord's Day to have the group provide the gifts of God for His very bride, the people of God, and you come together and ask the body, come discerning the body in one another. It's in your faces that I discern the body. It's in discerning the body of the children of our church. It's in discerning the body of the people whose names that you don't know yet in this church that you need to know. You see. It's discerning the body as we come together as we pass the peace with one another, knowing that everybody who comes into this room on a Sunday morning is coming in dragging chains of life, brokenness, hard lives in which they are barely unable to get out of bed and come to church this morning. They're coming for rest, and they need you to discern Christ in them. They need the body in them and to provide for them the fellowship and the encouragement and the help that they need because it's hard out there. The world hates us. The world hates the body of Christ because it hates the Christ who is Lord of the body. You see. And so to discern the body at the table is, is to actually have all of that craziness outside undone as we share life together At the table, and this gets us back to verse 27. Verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So here's the guilt that brings the judgment later on, okay? The guilt that brings the judgment later on, because there is a judgment, we talk about that. There can be guilt that takes place in the Lord's supper. But notice what it says. This is very important. It says, "Whoever eats or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner." It does not say. It does not say. Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord as an unworthy eater or drinker. That's not what it says. That's not what your Bible says. Okay? So this is not about the worthiness of the eater. It's about the worthiness of the eating. Huge difference. It's not the who that eats. It's the how we eat. It's the way we eat. It's the manner that we eat. It's the way we receive the bread and the cup. It's the etiquette at the table that we are supposed to have for one another. Not whether or not we happen to be perfect enough or clean enough to come to the table on a given Sunday. because none of us all. That's why we have a confession of sin early on in our worship service. by, By the time you come to the table, we've already had that time for you to confess your sins personally to the Lord. We've had that time for you to make things right with God. But that's unbelievable. Of the other guests that are coming to the table with you. It is eating that fosters and festers the shame of other people. You see, that's what's going on in Corinth. The problem at Corinth is that in their eating, in the actual table practice, they are shaming people. In their table practice, they are actually privileging people. In their table practice, they are actually dividing from one another and marginalizing one another and shattering the unity. And so Paul's concern here in this entire passage is that that whoever it is that is eating in an unworthy manner, the way of their eating is unworthy. And we know what that is. It's not discerning the body. It's when you come to the table selfishly. When you come to the table self-concerned and you refuse to look up and look around at all people that are coming to the table and recognize the body of Christ in these very people that are you. The Lord says, said, St. Patrick's breastway, right? Christ beneath me, above me, behind me, before me, around me. And what? Christ in the faces of one another. That's what we're discerning, is Christ in the faces of one another. So what? So examine yourself. Verse 28, that's what? So go ahead and examine yourself. Look at the verse 28 with me. Let a person examine himself, then let him so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Church, this is extremely important. Okay? Extremely important for you to see what Paul says here. Again, we we it's very easy for us to read a passage and then read into it and not read out of it what Paul is actually saying. Okay? So I need to stress this mightily here again, let a person in the context of everything we've been talking about, let a person examine himself, then, and so eat, and drink of the cup. Of you hear that? Examine yourself and then so eat. It does not say examine yourself and then self-excommunicate not what it says. It doesn't say examine yourself and then stay away. It doesn't say examine yourself and you be next week. There is no withholding of yourself from the table in this passage. You cannot find it. It is not there. It is the phantom menace. It is the phantom menace. Guess what? This does not say, examine exactly yourself and not eat. It's not your table in the first place. You're not the host. Christ is the host. And he tells you to come. And he tells you to come with all your bustedness and all your brokenness and all your need. He welcomes his people at the table. So what is the self-examination? What is the threat of judgment? Whatever it is, listen, whatever it is, it believes to the teeth, not away from the teeth. Look at what he says. He says, examine yourself and so eat. He doesn't say examine yourself and so fast. Right? That's not what he says. The whole purpose of self-examination is so that you can get self-examination is not about your worthiness to come to the table. The self-examination is this. Are you snooty? Are you a snoot? Are you too good for certain people in this church? Are there people who you refuse to talk to in this church? Are there people who you refuse to acknowledge as your people in this church? You are not going to, this is not talking about the answerable of the, your thing. us answering our wordiness, it's talking about answering the way we eat together, is what Paul's concern is. We're answerable for the way we Really quickly, no, please don't me I have to pass the peace with you. Right? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me worthy of the table but I just want to get in and get out. Right? Can we have an in and out table? Right? I don't have to get out of my car. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to see anybody's face. Can we, can we do that? Or can, we get, can we have a drive through communion? Right? That's what's happening in court, And that's the pastoral occasion this pastor. So what you're doing is you're examining yourself to see whether or not you need to make sure that you're going to go to set in the body when the time comes when you come to the table. You and then he says, yes, examine yourself, get it done, and go eat. Don't stay in your seat. Okay? Go eat. Don't stay in your seat. You see, church, when the to a close, Every single worshiper that enters this building is, in Christ, connected to all the other worshipers that come this building. We are all connected to one another in Christ. We are all part of one another in Christ. And that means that your struggles, This is a place where your failures can be known. This is a place where your failures can be shared. This is a place where your failures can be covered. This is a place where your failures can be forgiven. This is a place where, listen to me, your failures do not define you. You are not who you are on your worst day. And the church will not allow that to define you. You see? And the table says you're not. When we come to the table together, we're coming to the table saying you are not who you are. And we will not let that define you. We will bear burdens with you. We will share burdens with one another. We will share life together. We will not let you do this alone. You see? Because we all come as sinners in desperate need works healing. and we all come in awareness that we all need healing and that healing comes to us through the body of christ through the body of christ here when we come to the table we participate in worship we're putting the drama of the gospel on display for another and for the world when we come together as a church and we worship and we sing and we pray and we preach we baptize and we come to the table we are showing the world what heaven is going to look like someday we're giving them an hors of heaven and earth we are giving them an advance of heaven and earth by the way in which we come to the table and the way in which our world is so fractured and, and hostile and an empty in every way and so the answer what it means for us to come to the table to discern the body is actually answered by a in verse 33, look at it. Paul says, so then, my brothers, here's the answer, here's the answer, wait, right? right? So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. It's not the best translation. Your ESV does a good job of giving you a little number of eight. If you look down at that number eight, it says, so then my brothers, when you come together, eat, share. Share with one. Share. You see, we're sharing life, together at the table. But you want to know what's interesting, this word here is only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's in Romans 15 and 7. And you want to know how it's translated there? When you come together to eat, welcome one another, share with one another, been war all week long. My brother Danny has been having war all week long for me to build Okay, and He's tired. He needs you to look him in the eye and say, peace of Christ to you. Right? And his story is just one of 150 in here. He that needs you to look them in the eye and say, I know that your week has been this. Peace of Christ, to you. Peace of Christ to us. Let us come to the table today and let us discern the body in one another as we receive the body. At the table. Lord Jesus, take your word and seal it unto us for the glory of your name, I pray in Jesus' name.